This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3473 for Wednesday the 24th of November 2021. Today's show is entitled, My Journey into Amateur Radio and is part of the series, HAM Radio. It is hosted by The Loveberg, and is about 10 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, Dave explains his journey into amateur radio, initial setup, and successes. Hello, my name is Dave and welcome to another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. It's been a couple of years since my last episode and I know that HPR is running low on shows at the moment. And as I've had this one in planning for some time now, I thought this was the right time to get it finished. At the time of recording this, I have been an amateur radio license holder for six months. I took the notion of studying and applying for my foundation license, which is the first of three stages to a full license, when I read a blog post by John Spriggs, John the Nice Guy, G7VRI, back in March, entitled, Might Amateur Radio Be a Hobby for You? I saw a presentation by John at OGCAMP in 2018 in Sheffield, where he gave a whistle-stop tour of what amateur radio actually is, and how easy it is to get involved in it. By way of background, I was quite involved in the CB radio scene back in the late 80s and early 90s. I was introduced to CB by my dad, whose handle was Screwball, in the 1970s. He had a CB in his car since as far back as I can ever remember. I picked up the hobby from him by actually liberating him of his CB when he stopped using it. Unfortunately, it got stolen from my car. Say la vie. Yes, my handle back then was the love bug. In fact, it was whilst looking for an alternative to Cool Cat as a handle that I first used the moniker The Love Bug, probably back in the 1980s, and it just stuck. And it's been my, my online and, and now radio moniker um, ever since. So after reading John's blog post and doing some research into amateur radio myself, a whole bunch of things happened at the same time. I bought my first radio, a Bofeng UV5 RTP from Amazon, only cost about 40 quid. Uh, I joined the Radio Society of Great Britain, not a requirement, but I would very much recommend it. And I signed up for Essex Ham's foundation training course. Again, not a requirement, but it is recommended because it's geared around the foundation exam and is free. The training took three weeks, all in my own time, and I applied for my exam as soon as the training was complete. The exam was an hour long, under as close to exam conditions as an online exam would allow, and I was told by the online system that I'd passed as soon as I submitted my answers. It then took a few days to get confirmation of passing, and a certificate, yay, in the post, which then allowed me to apply to Ofcom, the authority for the radio spectrum here in the UK, for my licence and callsign. I was able to choose the suffix of my callsign, and as BUG for bug was taken, I opted for TLB for the love bug, and thus my call sign is currently M7TLB, Mike 7 Tango Lima Bravo. Now, I say currently, I'm not actually allowed to change my call sign. However, the call sign is specific not only to me, but also to my license class. So as a foundation license holder, M7 indicates that I am foundation. I think M3 and M6 are also prefixes that identify a UK license holder as foundation. But then when I go for my intermediate and then full license, I will then get a new call sign for each one of those, which will supersede the previous. And as I understand it, your previous call signs don't get reused. So I will still have the M7 TLB call sign, even once I move into the higher license classes, 
although technically I don't think I can use it. Anywho, once I got my foundation license, I went out that Sunday to log some contacts, or QSOs as they're called. So I parked up at a high point near to here, put a small aerial on the roof of the car so that I didn't warm up my head while I was transmitting, and started calling CQ. So essentially a way of saying, I want to talk to somebody. Seek you, if you like. As part of the license conditions, you're only permitted to make contact with other identifiable and identified amateur radio operators. General broadcasts to whoever might be listening at the time are actually prohibited. And the only exception to that rule is if you're calling CQ to initiate that contact in the first place. So I couldn't call out and say, hi, Mike7TLB, weather's great where I am, how's it with you? Unless I was actually talking to another person, another amateur radio operator that I had previously made contact with as part of that conversation. So I'd call out something along the lines of CQ, CQ, this station, Mike 7, Tango Lima Bravo, Mike 7, Tango Lima Bravo, portable, calling CQ. The portable indicates that I'm not at my home station location, but it's also a good indication that my transmission may be variable due to the portable nature of the station. I was transmitting using 8 watts of power, too fewer than my license allows me, but significantly lower than the 400 watts I could be using as a full license holder, so I'll be honest, my hopes weren't high. My first contact was with the chap just outside Caister in Lincolnshire, about 38 miles as the crow flies from where I was based. He was also using a portable station, but with a directional beam antenna, so he was able to concentrate both transmission and reception in a particular direction. So I was pretty impressed for 38 miles. I was expecting like two. My second contact was also from a portable station uh, located by the Woodhead Pass in a town called Peniston, about 18 miles from where I was. And that contact was the gift that kept on giving as there were two other portable stations at the same location. So I got three contacts in the log for that one. Unfortunately, things went quiet after that happened. So after a further five calls... I figured that was it. That was that was my lot for the day. But still, I was very happy with the four QSOs that I had logged on my first day on radio. Now, later that same day, I went out for my daily constitutional. So I figured I'd take the radio with me with the standard short rubber duck antenna that it comes with and an earpiece. At least that way, I wouldn't look too silly or, to be fair, a target. My intention was just to bounce around the frequencies and listen to conversations rather than put out any CQs myself. I was in a residential area, so I didn't really want to draw attention to myself. And whilst I was listening, I heard someone calling CQ and inviting respondents to move to a different frequency. So I followed along and listened. Now, there were already a couple of contacts there that I couldn't hear. So I waited for the initial person that made contact to finish working their first QSO. Then he put a call out for whomever had originally responded, so I quickly jumped in with my call sign, thinking that there was no way that he would hear me, considering that I was walking around town in a relatively built-up area, with probably the worst antenna I could have chosen for distance, and he wasn't exactly coming through strong. But he responded to me directly, asking me to stand by whilst he worked the other station that had responded. Well, I was shocked to hear him say to the other contact that he was in East Yorkshire, about 33 miles from here. Now, as with my first QSO, he was using a directional beam antenna, which was pointing due west. I was southwest of his location. So if you consider the things that I mentioned, that he was not pointing his antenna directly at me, 
and I was in a residential built-up area, and he was 33 miles away, I was amazed that I was able to hold a relatively decent quality conversation with somebody who was based that far away. So I was well pleased. Now, cost-wise, I should warn that amateur radio can, I emphasise can, be an expensive hobby, but it does not have to be. The bare minimum to get me on the air was the Bofeng that I mentioned earlier, which was 40, I think, £43. The cost of my foundation examination was 2750 so a little over £70 overall. I bought a number of accessories for the radio, and I joined the Radio Society of Great Britain, but these are no way required. The standard radio on its own is more than sufficient to gain some decent contacts, as I hope I've proven with a success from that first Sunday. Now, since then, I have bought a high-frequency radio from India. It's a low-power model, low-power or QRP as it's known, which is unlikely to get me very far, but there are some transmission modes that I can use that are specifically intended for low-power operation. The next big thing is to get an antenna up in the back garden along with a decent tuner so that I can actually use that radio. I did do some experimentation with it using a dipole that I bought but it was only about three feet off the ground. So whilst I was picking up signals from all over the world, nobody could hear me because the low power and the positioning of the aerial aerial just meant that I was being blocked. By the time this episode goes out, I would have started an intensive course with the online amateur radio community, OARC, which is a UK-based club and a more fantastic bunch of people you are not likely to find. So at some point soon, I will be able to change my call sign to one beginning with the prefix 2E0 or 2E1, which are what the intermediate license holders are able to use, and be able to use up to 50 watts to transmit, although at this point in time, I don't have any equipment capable of transmitting 50 watts. Yet. I point you to the excellent Ham Radio QSK series on HPR, where a number of correspondents have recorded shows about amateur radio that you may find interesting, and I will be putting this episode into the same series. Are you an amateur radio operator? Please do let me know. Drop me an email to hpr at thelovebug.org. I'm on Facebook and Twitter as The Lovebug, or you can leave a comment on this episode or record your own episode in response. At the time of recording this, HPR is getting low on shows. If you do have any shows in progress or something burning in your mind, get it recorded. Find out more information on how you can do that over at hackerpublicradio.org. So that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening. Wherever you are in the world, please stay safe. Come back again tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio 7.3. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.